The dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. What, Todd Hunter? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's dead dive. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead dive. Hello, welcome back to Everybody is Dead Dave, the Red Dwarf Review Podcast, where we're working our way through every episode of the series from the end to the beginning and beyond. And uh, we are up to, so we're starting series 10, finally. Yay. <laughs> after, after much delay, <laughs> we've had some specials, we've covered things like comics, we've covered things like novels mm-hmm. and audio series that predate, uh, <laughs> predate Red Dwarf. But now we're actually going to start the Dave era. It's time. Finally. It is time. <laughs> um, I'm Phil. If you haven't listened before, I am the long term out of the, out of the two of us that are regular presenters on the show. I'm the long term fan, and we have our relative newbie, Adam Martin. That's me, always the relative newbie. <laughs> and of course, we like to have an occasional guest reviewer on the show as well. And today we have the other half of the Review of Death podcast, the Doctor Who Review podcast. We've had Billy Garrett John on before. Uh, we've now got the other half of that podcast. Matthew Toffolo. Hello, Matthew. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Um, well, I because I, I think I discovered that Billy was a Red Dwarf fan. Just randomly, he had a picture of his bookshelves on Twitter. And I noticed mm. all the DVDs on there. So I was like, right, we've got to get Billy on the, on the podcast. And yep. then I think I was listening to a review of Death and you kept on mentioning Red Dwarf as well. So I was yeah. like, oh, Matt's a, Matt's a fan too. I've got to get him oh, on Oh, well. yeah. Since, since I was a kid, you know, growing up in the 90s, it was just Doctor Who and Red Dwarf on VHS. It was just part and parcel. So what um, what was your first episode? Can you remember? Oh, God. Um, I or first series, re- if you can't remember the specific episode. Uh, it was probably series five. I have strong memories of us having the series five videos. Um, so I would have watched those a lot. And then I can remember going to WH Smith's and buying the special edition version of series three or the, like the latter half. So that was time slides and the body swap one um, mm. with the with the new effects and stuff. And uh, yeah, that was a bit weird. That was yeah. a weird time. Um, well, and yeah, I didn't know they bastards. existed until yeah I didn't know they existed until we picked it up and then brought it home and I was like oh this isn't this isn't how it was when it aired surely um, <laughs> and have you been, you've been watching it ever since have you been keeping up with all the new ones or the Dave era ones and everything yeah 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 um, I mean I can remember series seven being on I remember mm. my brother taping them and I can remember vividly watching the first episode of series eight when that aired uh. um, and then yeah I was over the moon when they brought it back because I was, you know, it ended on a cliffhanger in series eight. Yeah. And that was it. It was like, yeah. oh, that's it. No more Red Dwarf. <laughs> 10 years of waiting yeah. to find out what would yeah. happen next. Yeah. I had a similar thing. Cause were you, so you, were you watching when series six aired? Were you watching it then? I wasn't watching it then. I think it might have, well, I was probably a bit too young then, but we did have some of those episodes taped on VHS uh, okay. that my brother had taped. So I, I do remember the last episode of Series 6. Um, and it was really annoying because on our recording, for some reason, I don't know what happened. This is my brother's terrible taping. It mi- it cut out the middle. Oh, um, no. so, <laughs> so all of a sudden, uh, when all the future versions of the Red Dwarf characters appear, 
that explanation was all missing from the recording. Oh. So when you watched it back, it you was like, wait, confused. what has happened? Yeah, it was oh, really no. weird. I was like, oh, no, God. what? But uh, oh. thankfully, with the DVDs, it finally answered those questions for me. Yeah, those were the well, days. Eh? If anyone's listening who never had to deal with VHS tapes, and ta- yeah. it, it was an art form, wasn't it? You had to get good at it, like taping yeah. and cutting off at the right points and all that. Yeah. And if, especially if you were like one of those people who liked to cut out the adverts as yes. well, you had to make sure <laughs> yeah. you get it at the right time. Yes, <laughs> I just left them in safer, safer yeah, option. True. <laughs> Other one, uh, Red Dwarf, BBC. You wouldn't have had that, so that wouldn't have been too yes. bad, at least. Yeah. Um, so today we're talking about the first episode of series 10, Trojan. This is the first episode that aired after Back to Earth. I think there was a couple of years. I think Back to Earth was 2009. This was 2012, I think it was. Mm. So there was a few years gap there. But we're back and it kind of starts off in a in a new room we haven't seen before on Red Dwarf. I guess this is now the control room that they're using. They seem to Wrote, I'm I'm assuming that you can control the ship from multiple rooms. That's my head cannon on mm. Red Dwarf. It's a big <laughs> ship. Yeah, it's big um, enough. Yeah. Uh, one thing I've noticed straight off the bat with this series is that they've clearly decided that because it's Red Dwarf, all the sets now need to be red. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's quite a. I, I, at first, I thought I was like, "Is it a rustic look? Are we going for it?" But then, as it went on, I was like, "No, it's just red." It's yeah, just, it's, it's, just it's a red, red industrial look, isn't it, now that they've gone for like pretty much all of the sets on Red Dwarf. They've got it in the new bunk as well. Um, yeah. What do you think about this compared to the kind of, we've had the military grey from the really early years. We've had the kind of more white aesthetic of the middle era. Um, what do you think of this one? I mean, I like that like white creamy version. That was sort of like the era that I remember watching the most, um, mm. particularly more so than the, the military grey. But I think this is quite nice. I think this works quite well, especially in HD and stuff. I think it looks good on the modern cameras. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think a lot of the sets in this episode in particular, I mean, when we get to it, but when they go to the the Cornelius three, like all the sets in this episode, I thought were very, they felt very vast and very exciting. Not that sets in Red Dwarf haven't been vast and exciting, but like you say, HD cameras, it it Mm. just, yeah, just looks a lot nicer. Yep. We start with Lister watching some racing on the screen. Um, It turns out to be pig racing. He's getting very enthusiastic about the pig racing. (laughs) Like Mm. doing the moves, doing jockey movements and everything. I like that. (laughs) That was good. Mm. And he's found a book that, uh, he's found in Peterson's quarters. He's still rifling mm. through his old friend's quarters 20 years later, 20 odd <laughs> yes. years later. Still hasn't found everything, clearly. I mean, it's a big ship, but you, they're his best friends from from when he was alive. Um, yeah. You'd think he would have thoroughly gone through the stuff by now, but he's still discovering new stuff. And it's a book <laughs> about... Well, what's the title of it? I can't remember what the title was. But... Is it Stupid Things You Won't Believe Happened? Yeah. Yes. Like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And yeah. it's it's there's a bizarre fact that comes out that more mo, most people in car accidents is it specifically in in um I'm in nineteen seventy one I think nineteen seventy one in Sweden in Sweden um, yeah that most car accidents involve a moose yeah the, the moose a moose is the cause of most car accidents yeah that's it <laughs> yeah yeah I like I liked this bit and then Pat got some nice interactions with this. Um, yeah. I thought Cat did yeah. quite well out of this episode, to be honest. And I've, one thing we've said before is that he sometimes lacks. Um, he kind of comes in for a couple of punchlines and that's about it. And there's not much yeah. for him to do. Yeah, I thought I, he had quite a bit to do. In it. Yeah, it felt more rounded this time. Because I think, um, I don't know what, what you reckon, Matt, but like in those like series five, six, seven, eight, it sort of feels like 
the, the episodes can be like, oh, it's all about Lister, it's all about yeah. Rimmer, or even all about Crichton, but it very rarely felt like it was all about Cat. So yeah. it's nice that it feels, well, to me at least, it feels a bit more rounded in this episode, like between all four of them a little bit. Obviously, Rimmer's got more focus, but Cat just doesn't feel like the punchline bag in this one. No, I, I completely agree. I think he's got far more to do compared to, to some episodes. Um, and one of the things that struck me, because I haven't watched this series for quite a while, watching it back, I was like, my God, Cat hasn't aged at all compared no. <laughs> to like, any no. of the other guys. He's like, he hasn't aged at all. It's amazing. It is crazy. It's, it's crazy to think this series now is 10 years ago. Oh, it's, God, yeah. It's... <laughs> It's insane that uh, they've been running on Dave now for 10 years um, and had only got out three series of yeah. a special in that yeah. time. But they, they, <laughs> There's um, a lot of like sort of throwbacks, even in this first scene to like the, the earliest days of Red Dwarf, like, you know, Cap doing his like, wow, yeah, because like we've said before, he does that in like series one and two. And then between he three, again, yeah, he just <laughs> stops doing it. And then all of a sudden, I think he did it a bit in Back to Earth as well. Can't remember if we... If we Talked about that, but yeah, it's, it's just nice. I like those little catisms, as we yeah. call them, and and like Rimmer taking exams and things like. Do you know what I mean? I like the yeah. little throwbacks to the past because it's if you know it, then it's it's fun because you're like, oh yeah, it's it's that. But then it, I feel if you were new to this, like new as in you'd never seen the old stuff, it's still it's not you're not going to get lost, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess there's like, I mean, I guess it is character development, but there is there is a sense that in those middle series he becomes somewhat less cat-like and more just he's a vain character and a bit dim um so yeah i like that i like that they've obviously thought right okay let's try and bring it back yeah yeah that is good and the you said there adam that he's uh they're doing callbacks and stuff they're doing rimmer's doing the astrophysics exam again uh failing it again again (laughs) i like the fact that he's you know he's he's trying to make out that he's grown as a person and that he's cool whatever the results may be he's um it's fine with it yeah (laughs) and then he opens it and completely melts down and breaks down (laughs) i sympathized a little bit not like i remember in my in my a level like i'd done my english language all year and you know you do like mock tests throughout the year Mm -hmm. and there's basically here's a tip for anyone doing english language a level there's a pattern to it if you nail what that pattern is you'll get a star every time right you didn't hear this from me but (laughs) so we a bunch of us had nailed this pattern and we were you know a star a star a star did the exam we were like yeah that was good and then two days before results day Ofsted changed the marking boundaries and then i came out with an a and obviously like that's still really good and you shouldn't knock it but you so like rimmer you know you build yourself up to it and then it's like what excuse me so I sort of sympathize. I mean, Chris Barry's like physical delivery, though, I think sold that for me. We've, I know we've said it before. There are some jokes in Red Dwarf for me, at least, that don't, they don't land as well sometimes, mm. like just from like how they're written. But Chris Barry often salvages jokes like that for me with how he interprets it physically. And I think this is definitely one of those moments. Because that, that whole gag about, oh, yeah, I'm ready. And then he's actually not ready. I feel yeah. that could have gone, that could have just fallen flat if not done like he does it. So... What, what what do you think, Matt? Is like with Chris being like a physical actor. I mean, for, I mean, Rimmer is my favorite character anyway. So I mean, I I am biased, but I, I <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's fantastic. And I think I remember when watching these episodes for the first time round. Initially, so, I, I mean, as good as they are, I initially sort of thought, oh, there's there's something not it doesn't quite feel the same. The dynamics not quite the same as it was 
back in the day. Perhaps mm. that's because of the way it's filmed compared to how it was back in the 90s or whatever. Um, and like you said, to do with the jokes as well, I think some of the jokes don't land as well um, in some of these more modern series as perhaps they might have done back in the back in the old days. Yeah. Um, but I completely agree. I think, yeah, Chris Barry is just so good. He is able to just salvage those things that could otherwise be a little awkward. And like, I think sometimes, especially in this episode, there were a few gags with Lister that I was like, mm, that doesn't quite really hit the spot as it probably should do. Um, yeah, and I don't I know agree. if that's just because maybe it's because it's been so many years since they've done it. And, mm. you know, perhaps they're not quite in the rhythm of doing it as they used to be. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, Chris Barry's just such a pro. <laughs> He's just brilliant. He is. Next, we get a scene where they're, um, it's Lister and Kat are watching. Well, they get interrupted. They're, they're, whatever there's on the screen gets interrupted with a shopping broad- channel broadcast, an yes. Android shopping <laughs> channel broadcast. And they start off kind of slagging it off, going, oh, who, who listens to this rubbish? But by the end of it, they're like, we need this Sturmaster. <laughs> and then <laughs> Lister especially really mm. wants it. And he's on the phone yeah. trying to order it. Uh, I, I, I quite like the send-up of, um, yeah. of the shopping channels here. Have, yeah. Have, have we ever been for, suckered? Yeah. I was anybody... about to ask the same question. <laughs> yeah. Have we ever Has been, anybody suckered, ever been in? suckered in by a, a, a shopping I... channel? I think when I was a kid, because we never got it at home, we only had like terrestrial, but then on holiday, this is a sign of our age, isn't it? You know, when you went on holiday and wherever you stayed had like the sky package and you had access to all these channels and you just flicked through and the shopping one was one of them. And they were probably, I don't know, probably advertising like the latest super soaker, you know, like something some really daft like that. So, but no, thankfully as an adult, I have not succumbed to the delights of... QVC, etc. So no, me, me neither. I have to say, I've never been a never been a QVC shopper. Yeah. <laughs> neither have I. But I think it's a very similar thing in terms of like useless gadgets that you kind of yeah. just see mm. and go, "Oh, that'd be really cool," and buy it, and then you're like, "This is a bit rubbish." <clears throat> afterwards, like yeah. in a very similar vein, I've bought a tea strainer. So it's tea bag strainer. It's like a little plunger thing that grips. <laughs> your tea bag and squeezes it for you so it squeezes out all of the juice it's just this little plastic thing i think i bought it off amazon and i just it's one of those things that came up on amazon it was like four quid i was like yeah why not that's it and then it's sat in a drawer not being used so i absolutely get the kind of oh this is a gadget that will save me energy or time um and then yeah. you never use it <laughs> I guess it's like the modern equivalent is like the the JVC products or whatever they are. Oh, what yeah. those, you, you know that you see in Wilkinson's and places like that. Yeah. And it's just all these ridiculous things. Like there, <laughs> there is a gadget for every possible conceivable thing, no matter how mundane. Um, but I think it's a good gag. It's a really good gag. And the fact that it continues throughout the whole episode. Yeah. And has a good yeah. payoff as well. Yeah, because he keeps the fact he's on hold for the whole episode, basically. Mr. Trying to get this. Uh, trying to get this Sir Master. And like you said, there's a payoff at the end, which we'll come to. Um, but before before that, what they find a derelict ship um, that they go over to investigate. Um, and we find out that Rimmer's brothers, this is a Space Corps ship. Mm. We know, I think we might have known this already from previous episodes, but his brothers served in the Space Corps. Mm. And he mentions that again here. And he's very, of course, very jealous of his brothers. Like his brothers, they bullied him as a kid. Uh, we've heard that many times, of course, another nice callback. Um, and we get kind of like him talking about 
uh, his his brothers and stuff. What do do? I mean, what do you think about their kind of relation? How they set up the relationship with his brothers here? I mean, I think you're right. I think from previous series, they do make reference to the fact that his brothers were in the space core and that he was he's the failure, isn't he? So mm. it's nice that they very quickly summarise that. If you're you're new to the show. Um, and I remember, I think at the time, this was quite a big deal that they were bringing one of his brothers into it. Because I don't think we'd ever... Have we ever seen his brothers? No. I think only before? in flashbacks. Because yeah. so we'd seen yeah. him as a kid getting bullied, I think. And yeah. But not as adults. I no. think there was something in the Time Slides episode where you might have seen one of them oh, chastise yeah. him or something like that. Or Yeah, maybe. I can't remember now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I can see. I mean, uh, to to add credence to, the, I mean, what you just said, Matt. Like when when they said it was his brother and they were coming aboard, I felt like it was a big deal. I was like, whoa, yeah, okay. Like we haven't seen this before, so yeah, I think it was a good, especially for the opener of a new series as well. I think it's a good, it's a good thing to latch onto. Yeah. Then we get this sort of plot convenient device, <laughs> which is the <laughs> this rod that makes uh, the quantum bring, rod. Quantum rod that. <laughs> brings parted stuff together uh, or parted particles together or something. There was some kind of yeah. technico babble explanation, which I didn't quite know. The MacGuffin. Properly. And then immediately after fiddling with that and doing some, Rimmer does something that causes the power lights to go out. Then the ship receives a distress call and it turns out the distress call is coming from another ship and it's his brother, mm. Howard. The implication yes. being that the, the rod somehow brought the, his brother to him because they are particles that had been... I don't know. It was a bit vague. It was a bit plot kind of like hand-wavy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 this rod. I think there was a brief line going, yeah. oh, yeah, the rod may have done this. <laughs> yeah, Crichton says that, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. And then Very it's left at that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 So we, we get... Um, oh, yeah, Lister's still on hold during all of this. He's taken oh, the phone with him yeah. to the thing. So, again, I yeah. like the fact that that keeps on... Um, uh, we do get a nice, I, we do get a nice Kachansky reference as well, because obviously yeah. she's not in anymore. She, who knows where she's gone? Yeah. Um, I, I found but, it odd in a way because obviously in Back to Earth they assert that she's trying to remember now. She wasn't on the, sh you know, at the start of it, it's assumed she's she's gone as yeah. it were, or there. And then I know you've said that this series might take place before Back to Earth or something. Uh, see, that I ilk, think it takes. Or... I think it's. I think it obviously takes place afterwards, but right, yeah, that's just my view yeah. Of it. But I, I it, it's because the ambiguity is on the box of Back to Earth. It says this takes place after series ten, but yeah. it <laughs> series ten hadn't been made then, and yeah. that was kind of the meta explanation. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I think it still takes place before. Yeah. I should, even though I'm still the relative new, I should have learnt by now not to examine Red Dwarf continuity all, the, <laughs> all that deeply for the sake of my own sanity. Yeah, we've said many times before that if you think Doctor Who continuity is a mess, Red Dwarf is. Uh, <laughs> oh yes, Red Dwarf yeah. doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Doctor Who at least tries on occasion, yeah. whereas Red Dwarf <laughs> is like, forget about it. Yeah, um, Rimmer wants to get to his brother in the slowest possible time, so that mm -hmm. he has time to complete the astro navigation exam and become an officer so that he cannot be such a failure in his brother's eyes and kind of not not be as humiliated as he might be if his brother discovers he was a chicken soup repair chicken soup vending machine repair man so 
<laughs> uh, he's he's kind of they go they decide to go slowly in Red Dwarf rather than mm. um, get there in the, the speediest possible time they could. I think Crichton says they could be there in minutes, but they decide to take fifteen hours instead. Uh, I what th- there's a scene that I really like, which is Rimmer revising for the astro navigation exam again, and it's yeah. uh, <laughs> it's he's there's a question in there, and it's it's about Swedish cars in 1971 yes. <laughs> and of course Lister's ears prick up and goes right so um a Swedish guy drives into a tree what caused the accident answers in the back right right wow it's a really hard one there I mean you've probably got to be pretty damn smart to get a question like that right you know what I'm gonna go for a moose Moose. Yeah, it was in the road. He swore to avoid the moose. Are you insane? How could it be? A... It's a moose. And that would be yes. funny enough by itself. But I think the way this joke builds yeah. is so yeah. good because then Crichton comes in. Uh, Rimmer is so flabbergasted that Lister got it. He's like, Crichton, a lateral thinking question. Just got it myself. It's 1971. A Swedish man drives into a tree. What causes the accident? It's a moose, sir. He swerves and hits a tree. <laughs> and then Cat comes in. Yeah. The yeah, he's hedged his bets, doesn't he? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've got something for you. A lateral thinking question. A lottery what? Uh, I knew I could rely on you. What caused this accident? What accident? <sighs> it's a question, all right? Are you ready? It's 1971. A man... Was he Swedish? <laughs> Yes, a moose. <laughs> so it, yeah. just, it builds perfectly. I love that joke. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant, yeah. And you have that lovely moment where, although Cat gets it right, he still ascertains as like, oh, but, you know, the, the moose isn't driving the car. Yes. So you still yeah. get that, that, yes. that backwards bit of like, okay, he's, uh, he's still dim, but he still doesn't quite get it. But <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. it's just done. It's done great. I mean, my common recurrence on this show is saying that I think some comedy sequences go on for far too long. But this yeah. one just because it was sustained in such a great way, I yeah. didn't think that at all. It's probably it's. I mean, it might be a spoiler for one of the categories later, but it's definitely the section of this episode I I laughed at the most. So yeah, and no, this this all sends Rimmer into a sort of a bit of a tizzy and like an existential crisis. And he glitches and crashes. He had a bit of a glitch earlier when he was thinking about his brother. This time it completely crashes him. You get kind of like circle death eyes. Oh, those yes. famous pinwheels. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's an, uh, like an apple thing, isn't it? Yeah. It is, and I see it all too often. <laughs> <laughs> I see it all too often. It is eyes. Yeah. Cat decides to draw a, a funny face on him, um, which we don't yeah. see, unfortunately. I would have liked to yeah. have seen what they drew. Props to Chris Barry holding that facial pose though, because that wouldn't have been easy. That sort no. of scrunched up, <laughs> clenched teeth. Like what? What? All well, all the time we see it on camera, he seems to be holding it as still yeah. as possible. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I assume they didn't uh, do some kind of trickery to freeze him there, um, but they do clear him out. They fix him by draining his resentment. Mm. Um, so <laughs> they they do kind of fix him, and he feels slightly better. Uh, for yes. the briefest moments. But then he starts to recount the bullying again and stuff. I, I really liked the line where he's where Lister's trying to get it. Now he's been drained of his enemy. He's like, But now you've got a choice. Are you going to grow up and let him see you for who you really are? 
or are you going to carry on being a lying, cheating weasel, pretending to be something you're not? I think we all know the answer to this. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it's true. Rimmer doesn't so, change. It, no. We wouldn't want him to. <laughs> no. no. No, absolutely not. He's he's the Smeghead we love to hate. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So instead, he decides to get them all in on the uh, deceit, and they all pretend to be the crew of this mm. salvaged Space Corps ship that they found, mm. including... Rather wonderful Star Trek-like uniforms. Yeah, like next-gen uniforms. <laughs> yeah. mm. It's kind of like, with the kind of uh, top, there's a slightly different shade to the bottom bit, and it's got these funky badges and stuff. Um, yes. Space Corps uniforms. Because um, the Howard is also wearing one when he comes over, so it must be, just be the general mm. thing. He beams over with someone who, I was like, for a while, I was wondering who this other woman was with him. I was like, Oh, I thought you said the rest of the crew died. This mm. human turns out she's a simulant. Yeah, yeah, another nice little little callback. Yeah, which... with the same voice effect as well. Yes, yeah. I noticed that. and I like that. The fact that they yeah. went to that level of detail. Um, I did confuse Doesn't... me to start with because I was like, "Oh, what? She's a simulant. Like, don't all the simulants want to kill humans? What's going on here?" Doesn't Howard have the best opener though when he comes in and and Rimmer's like, "Yeah, you know, I'm a." I'm the captain of this ship. And he goes, really? You were an absolute twat. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's not a line I expected. But no. again, the d- the delivery and what I like about, I think it's is it Mark Dexter, I think, is the actor who plays Howard. Mm. And just in general, what I like about him is he feels he's similar enough to how to Chris Barry's Rimmer, but still yeah. also different, which I'm glad he wasn't just, because I did wonder how they were going to do it. I was like, is Chris Barry, like, you know, going to do it himself? Is he going to look slightly different or... I'm I'm glad it just wasn't like a one-to-one impersonation. I guess. Yeah. No, I agree. How, is it? It is never explained why his older brother looks younger than him, though. I don't think it is. <laughs> they haven't got time to address that. Yeah. But you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's um, it is odd. But I just think um, that sort of similar but different works so perfectly for this for yeah, this character. And that must be like really daunting thing to do. Be like, right, you know, this is. This is the brother of such an iconic character. Yes. And, you yeah. know, I have to make sure that I, I really pull it off. And I think he does. I think he does a really good um, really good job with it. Absolutely. And it makes you wonder what his other... Because does he say he has three brothers? Yes, or I he just... does. Yeah. 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 I wonder if see them. Yeah. Yeah, Frank's definitely one. Isn't... No, no, wasn't Frank the uncle? Oh, oh. oh yeah. Is that... yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Uncle I think Frank, it is his yes. Uncle Frank. Yeah, because I've got an Uncle Frank. So whenever that's mentioned, <laughs> it's always quite funny. <laughs> yes, his Uncle Frank, who I think had a thing going on with his mum, I think. <laughs> yes, or yeah. Something. Yeah. I guess one very... time when he he came in, uh, said something about being in a tent, and Uncle Frank came in, and he thought yeah. it was his mum or something like that. Oh, yeah. that was his first kiss, wasn't it? Wasn't that his first <laughs> yes, kiss? Yes, his first kiss was like, oh, Uncle Frank. Here's my oh, Uncle no. Frank. <laughs> oh, no. He got the wrong tent. You thought I was my mum. <laughs> One of the darker jokes of Red Dwarf. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but uh, cause Rimmer is pretending that he's a captain of this of uh, this ship, the Howard kind of gets the resentment crash that Rimmer mm. got earlier. So his eyes go all funny and he just can't believe that that happened and when he comes out of it he admits that actually he's he had such resentment because actually howard is just a vending machine repairman 
Yeah. Still yeah, in the Space but... Corps, so still slightly better than working on a mining ship. But yeah. it basically has the same job as Rimmer. So isn't nice, isn't it, that we've, after all these years, Rimmer finally feels like, oh, you know, it's, I, I, I've got my, I'm, I'm one up, well, pot- potentially, not really one up, but he yeah. feels like you're, <laughs> I've bettered you slightly. <laughs> yes. He's got, he's got his petty revenge that yes. he always wanted. Yeah. Yes, especially now his brother believes he's a captain as well, because he's kind yeah. of, he's keeping that charade up. It turns yeah. out that the simulant did want to kill all humanity. <laughs> in the end that's right because she killed the rest of howard's crew and howard didn't obviously realize that and uh and now it is holding them hostage now this is where the uh telephone on hold really comes into play because throughout this whole episode uh, Liz has been on hold he's had whole arguments him and uh there was a nice scene between with him and um Crichton, where they both were like shouting down the phone mm. at these people yeah he yeah. kept on passing i love that because we've all another. We've all been there, haven't we? Oh, you yeah. wait for ages and then they delay you again and you just, yep. you're like, I've got to keep calm. I've got to keep calm. And you just, look. again, one of the best moments is when Crichton, I mean, it's weird, isn't it? Because you can sort of predict what the joke's going to be, but mm. it's still, <laughs> Robert it's still good. Just made, yeah, <laughs> when he's like, oh, I'm I'm perfectly calm. I am I know how to do this. And then it just cuts <laughs> to him going, you listen here. Like it's, it works so well. And yes, we've all, we've all been there. We try and, we try and stay calm, but it's just, there's one, I, it's like, you know, you're in, you down. <laughs> I know, but do you know who's the worst for that? The bank, just to get on a mini rant. When you know, have you ever called the bank mm. or like your bank? Yeah. And yeah, they put yeah. you, they give you that same tone each and every time you just sit there and sit there. And then you get this automated thing saying, please tell me your sort code. And it's like, I don't recognize it. Oh, it's just, tangent it's don't ring the <laughs> bank go to your local bank while we're on this tangent the worst thing is when you've been on hold for about an hour and you finally get through to someone a human and they go oh i need to transfer you to this other yes. place and instead <laughs> yeah. of transferring you they cut it off oh god uh, yeah, yeah i have lost and you my mind when that happens beginning <laughs> again. Yeah. like mad respect to anyone who works in the call industry but yeah yeah it, it can be very frustrating yes very <laughs> they probably just pressed the wrong button i'm assuming they didn't deliberately cut me off or maybe no. they did who knows <laughs> uh, but there we go mini rants over uh, <laughs> yes so the simulance is holding them hostage and that is when the phone which is now on the other side of the room but on speakerphone actually like they can hear that it finally the person goes hello how can i help you and Lister is like, I am getting that phone. I'm go- I don't care that you're holding your gun to me. I'm going across the room and getting that phone. Yes. And I don't blame him after being on hold for so long. Yeah. I think I would be the same. Craig Charles sells that as well. Yeah. Like just does, the sheer yeah. desperation, the frustration. Yeah. It just, oh, it's great. Um, and in the end, because Cat is also walking around behind the simulant, not kind of like slightly oblivious until he realizes like, mm. what's going on here. So there's a whole scene where like loads of things come together and Lister decides to go for the phone. And so the simulant starts shooting. Howard dives in front of Rimmer, saving mm. his life and taking yeah. the hit of the blast and yes. dying because it hits his light beam. Uh, I, I don't think we actually mentioned here that actually Howard is actually a hologram as well. He, that's, yes. that, yeah. I don't think we ever actually mentioned that. He is also a hologram of that, of his ship. And um, so he dies because his light bee got hit and kind of has a deathbed kind of a, a change of heart and yeah. mission and mm. things. And it's like, got to, you know, sorry, you know, just generally like 
really heartfelt yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, he apologizes, doesn't he, for, yeah. uh, for being a bit of a shit brother, you know. And then <laughs> you know, and he finally, you know, he has his moment of bravery, you know, because he's he'd admitted that he was a coward earlier on, that he hid mm. under the table when the the ship was under attack, and um, yeah, so it's like he finally feels worthy of the, the hero's death. Yeah. yeah, and of course, Rimmer given the opportunity to also confess and say, I was a <laughs> vending machine repairman too and make his brother feel better in his moments of death, decides to not do that at all and say, no. <laughs> uh, instead, he, he kind of leads up to it, says, you know, I've got something to confess to. And all he says is that, actually, I had one less fancy car than I said I had. I'm st- yes. yeah. still <laughs> pretends he's the captain and his brother dies. thinking he's the river and he's you... got one up. And as you said earlier, Matt, would we have it any other way? Yeah, no, it would have been, it would have been, it would have been too out of character for him to turn around to his brother and be like, "Oh no, Howard, you, I, I'm also, uh, <laughs> I'm also a chicken soup repairman." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, it does backfire on him slightly in the end because when we're, once we're in our kind of final scene in Red Dwarf, back on the ship, we found find out that the I think it's the ship. Did they say the computer had, like, the Red Dwarf computer had given him the award? Yes. I kind of was, couldn't remember where that came from, but they'd fed, like, the details of what had happened, the report, into the to the JMC mm. computer or whatever. And That's it right, had yeah. posthumously given Howard uh, the highest award for bravery. <laughs> so... <laughs> That of course, and, re- and rename the ship. Yes, that's yes. it. <laughs> to the SS Howard Rimmer. <laughs> yes, I wonder how it, if that's going to stick in the Netflix episode. I <laughs> somehow doubt it. But no, yeah. Given this show's very loose continuity, <laughs> yes. I highly doubt it. We'll probably see Howard again, and his yes. death will never be mentioned. <laughs> so, but there's so. another nice little callback there because Lister responds to that by saying, "I'll go get my brush." Oh, yes. I know, so that's a nice callback to him painting the ship in the, course, the titles. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I did, nice. yeah, of course. Nice little bit there. Oh, and of course, the simulant is now in the quarters of Red Dwarf being used as a tea stirrer. Yeah. Yes. So we got yeah. his tea stirrer in the end. Wouldn't be surprised if we never saw her again either. No. <laughs> yes, I would, yeah. <laughs> Somehow, got a, you know, small hunch. Small you know, hunch. you can't be paying actors just to stand there and stir tea. Oh, goodness no. me, no. The travesty. <laughs> Although they suppose they could have just had a shot of a hand every episode stirring some tea just in the background. Close up or something. But there, there we go. That's Trojan. The sort of return of Red Dwarf after a little break, after after a few years break, after Back hmm. to Earth. The launch of the Dave era proper. We have, obviously, our regular features on the show where we pick our favourite character, our funniest moments, and give it a mark out of ten. Um, Matt, do you have a favourite character in this episode? Well, I mean, I've already said that Rimmer is my favourite character, generally, anyway. And this is basically a him-centric episode. So I'm going to have to go with good old Iron Balls, RJ. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Adam? Um, I was go- Throughout the episode, I was going to go for Rimmer. But then uh, af- it would annoy him. But after Howard came in, man. Howard sold it to me. I'm going to ah, give it to Howard Rimmer. Okay. I just, I loved it. I think it's because obviously it's it's that thing again, it's new but familiar enough. Like yeah. there's just enough Arnie in there, but it felt very new as well. As I said, I think Mark Dexter, the actor, did a phenomenal 
job. And as you said, Matt, not an easy job to mm. take on as well, I guess. So, yeah, it's got to be Howard Rimmer for me. What about you, Phil? I was going between Rimmer and actually Cats because because of what we said mm. earlier, you know, he doesn't often get a lot. And no. I think he was used really well in this episode. So although there wasn't anything in particular, like one instance that I could go like, that's the reason why. I just think mm. he was used really well in comparison to how he's been used a lot of the time. So for that reason, yeah. because we don't tend to give it to Cat very often, I want to give it to Cat just because of that, I think. So I'm going to give it to Cat. Good on Cat, yeah. yeah. Uh, funniest moments. What was your, it can be as little as a single line or something happening in the background, or it can be a whole scene. What was your... Matt, what was your funniest bit of the episode? Uh, this was this was quite difficult because the, as we were sort of talking through it, I kept re- sort of thinking about other things. Like, <laughs> um, I mean, I did love that the 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 scene with the um, with Rimmer doing his um, his revision, uh, and there was also a bit that I quite liked when how when um, Howard comes onto the ship and Rimmer's uh, introducing all of his crew. Uh, mm. And he talks about, oh, this is Crichton, my, our mechanoid, who we found. And I was like, oh, gosh, you know what? So you gave him a new lease of life and all this sort of stuff. And he's like, no, we just scrubbed him up and gave him a hat. Uh, <laughs> and I thought that's that's quite a good guy. That was a great um, line. A good line. <laughs> uh, but the, the one for me, and I'll just bring it up on my phone, the gag that I liked, which is, I mean, I don't know what it says about me, my immaturity, <laughs> um, was uh, when... Uh, Rimmer's just had his meltdown and they've just cleaned all the resentment out mm. and uh, he refers to his brother and Lister goes oh isn't he the one who painted your todger with glue in the dark paint <laughs> and then Rimmer replies with for three whole nights I could read Biggles Flies West under the bed sheets without needing a torch <laughs> when I lay on my back I could have doubled as a lighthouse for really small ships <laughs> That me that tickled me. So that is my favourite gag. That's <laughs> oh, a great Good one choice. too. Good choice. Uh, Adam, um, I already mentioned it earlier, but it's got to be the recurring moose gag. That scene, just the the way that was played out, and I actually think um, I don't think we mentioned it. Having a studio audience mm. helped that joke so much because oh, we missed Back it so Earth, much in Back to Earth, didn't we? The studio. Yeah. Oh, audience. I think that hurt Back to Earth so yeah. much. Like the fact there's no studio audience and like the the vibe just doesn't feel. Right, but because there's a moment, I think it's when Cap does the joke. You know, he instantly cuts in and says, "Oh yeah, it's Moose." Yeah, and then, but then Chris Barry waits for the audience to stop that. But that just that adds. It's hard to describe, I guess. But having the studio audience for that gag just helped it so much. But yeah, I loved it. It was simple yet effective. So yeah, it's got to be the, the yeah. I moose gag. I had that one down as well. The Moose. The, the moose yeah. gag and, and everything, that was mine as well. Just... Howard nearly clinched it for me with his, uh, you were an absolute twat. Like, again, don't know what that says about me, <laughs> but that nearly got me. But I think the moose gag was was just a little better. My other, well, I did have another alternative, which was, I think it was the, um, oh yeah, it my other alternative was the, the choice one where he's going like, oh, you could be the better person. I can't remember what the exact line was now, but you know, you could do the honourable thing and blah, blah, blah. Or you could be the snivelling Blah, blah, blah. And that was my other one, but I think the moose one does clinch over that. Mm. I, I think what's nice about that moose one as well is that um, you don't expect it to come back from the start yes. of the episode. At the start of the episode, it feels quite inconsequential and just like, mm. okay, this is this is fairly amusing. It's not the, the funniest thing ever. But then yeah. when they bring it back and then they make more of a meal of it, it really works. This episode yeah, did a lot of that really well, bringing, mm. keeping stuff kind of 
relevant and flowing through callbacks to stuff that they set up earlier. There wasn't anything mm. that I sometimes in Red Dwarf, you, it kind of feels almost like there's two stories stitched together. There's like what happens at the sketch at the beginning and yeah. then there's the adventure. Uh, but here and, and they kind of don't often sometimes they don't always connect. But here it felt like all the jokes that they had in those sketches at the beginning kind of came back in like the te- like the, the telephone and stuff like that all came back again. So so the last thing we do is uh, mark it out of 10, 10 out of 10 scutters. How many scutters <laughs> would you give this episode? Matthew, how many would you give them? Oh, I think I'm going to give it seven scutters. I think it was a, a nice return to form for the series, um, just generally. Uh, and I think it's a good, strong episode. It's got nice ties to previous series and you know the, the continuity of the program uh and there's some good gags in there and i think yeah a, a strong seven is a, is a good bit of dwarf fun excellent nice. adam uh i'm gonna go a bit high i'm gonna give this eight out of ten scutters um i think this is partly because the last proper red dwarf thing i've watched was back to earth so yeah. that's sort of, this really helps sort of get the bad taste of that out of my mouth like you said matt it, it feels like a return to form mm. like like good old classic Red Dwarf, whilst also being new and fresh, new characters following on the links. So just really strong start for Series 10, and I'm glad they started out this way. So long may that continue. Yeah, what I'm going to basically echo what you guys have said here. I'm also giving it eight, and that is, again, just because I think I I was trying to work out whether or not I was being overly generous or not, because as you just said, Adam, we've just come off of Back to Earth. <laughs> which is the kind of for me the lowest point of the series yeah. and it's so maybe i'm being overly generous because that's what it's followed and even before that we had series eight which while has some good elements it's it's one of the weaker series so yeah. it this kind of feels like a return to form and it feels like you know the kind of humor and the kind of energy that we had in maybe series five and six and that kind of era Mm. so i'm really liking what it is and i haven't seen this since 2012 so uh it it's still a bit vague in my memory even though i have seen it all before so i'm looking forward to what the rest of the series has in store as well so i'm hoping it keeps up i hope i'm not i think it is i think it's not just that it's it's about the back of the bad stuff I think yes. it is worth it as well because there is some really good humor in here, some great character stuff. And yeah, I, I really had a good time with this episode. So fingers crossed it continues. Well, thank you for thank you for inviting me on for this one in particular because I think I said at the start, it's not a series that I've revisited particularly often. I think this is probably only the third time I've watched this episode. Oh, wow. Um, so uh you know you're gonna have to go through all of series 10 now matt now that we've i know i was yeah (laughs) so thinking that after watching the first one i was like oh i enjoyed this i could i could go for uh a few more of these yeah Um, so that was good excellent well thank you for coming on um do you want to do you want to plug your stuff what have you what have you got you've obviously got your own podcast yeah well uh you can tune into the Review of Death podcast, which we do occasionally bring up Red Dwarf things, um, but it is a Doctor <laughs> Who podcast. Uh, mm. We usually just steal Red Dwarf gags, I think, and just uh, <laughs> put them into into our things. Um, that and Bottom, that seems to be our, our major ones. Uh, mm. If it's a comedy from the 90s, it ends up in our podcast. Uh, but yeah, Make we... a drinking game out of that. 
I know. Yeah, we could, couldn't we? Yeah. Oh dear, that'd be dangerous. Um, so yeah, we've got the Review of Death podcast. There's a Doctor Who podcast. And once a fortnight on a Thursday, we talk about uh, an episode of Doctor Who. We update people on Doctor Who news and just have a general chat about all things Doctor who And that's on uh, Batman March on YouTube. Lovely. Yes, in your very swanky studio. No, oh, thank you. <laughs> Lovely studio you've got there. Go. We've got studio envy. We want a studio like that one day. I, I wish I was in the studio now because it is so hot in this room. I, was yeah. like, I miss the air conditioning. Yes, I bet. Um, and of course, uh, you can catch us in our usual places online. Adam, where can they find you on on the internet? Just Adam Martin on YouTube. Martin with the Y. Um, you might think, why does he keep saying that? You, you'd be surprised. <laughs> so martin with a y not with an i and uh, on twitter just adam martin amtv for all my ramblings here and there i suppose what about you phil uh, well you can find this podcast does go up on the my youtube channel which is just philip hawkins uh philip with one l we always have to clarify how we spell our names on this, we do we? um <laughs> and uh <laughs> how, how do people spell your name matthew is there anything unusual with your name? Oh, it's matt with God. two t's uh, isn't it matt with two t's matt go. with two t's i mean i i met william russell at a convention once and i asked him to sign this thing and i said oh to matthew and he was like oh is that with one t and i said no two uh. and he went two t's i was like yeah <laughs> And he, was, and he looked at me incredulously and then he turned to the person who was sat with him and was like, he wants two T's in his name. And I was like, okay. Oh, <laughs> but like it's my it. surname. My surname's the one that gets all the trouble, Toffolo. No, no one gets that right. So. It's a great surname. Though. Oh, thank you. <laughs> at, least, at least people don't need to know it to find your YouTube channel. So that's so, okay. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's all right. Um, and yeah, you can find me on Twitter, which is at Culture Filter. Filter spelt like my name. Filter, um, and uh, yeah, the podcast also has a Twitter account at All Dead Dave Pod, and we have a merch store with some T-shirts and mugs and stuff. If you want to buy those, links in the description of the YouTube version of this. We'll be back for episode two of series ten next week. So until then, thank you for listening, and see you then. Goodbye. See you later. Bye.